We're wrapping up Media Day and bringing you our takeaways on everything from Eric Spolster's optimism to Jimmy Butler's hair. What is Spo saying about the team's chances this season? Can Tyler Hero move past the trade rumors? We break it all down on today's Locked On Heat. You are Locked On Heat, your daily Miami Heat podcast. Part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. Your daily podcast on the Miami Heat. I'm Wes Goldberg here as always. Or you might be tuning in on YouTube, Odyssey, your favorite podcast app. Thanks so much for making Lockdown Heat your first listen every day. We're here uh, just wrapping up media day uh, here in Miami on the Heat's practice court. We just talked to pretty much every player on the roster, it feels like. We got Eric Spolster, a few notable Butler, exceptions, Sam, Tyler in a group setting. Uh, we've got a bunch of interviews coming up uh, on the YouTube channel and on the podcast app with Nikola Jovich, Duncan Robinson, Josh Richardson, uh, Hayden Heisman, like just everybody. So uh, make sure that you are subscribed and you are looking out for those. We will be kind of just doling those out over the next couple of days uh, and some really good stuff from those interviews. But we're here to talk about some headlines and some key takeaways from Media Day. We'll get to um, Eric Spolstra being, I think, oddly confident or maybe i don't know it was interesting to hear how it was that eric spolster talked about this team and how he considers them a championship contender we'll get to tyler hero and whether or not he feels wanted by this miami Heat organization here in a little bit but we got to start where everybody else is starting well with jimmy butler and the new haircut (laughs) it's been the uh the the buzzing topic of today's media day he came out similar to what he did last year where he brought out a haircut that he probably will not maintain for the duration of the regular season. Uh, Lots of his teammates chiming in, a few very much supportive of his choice, which, of course, it's certainly Jimmy's right to. I know you did a fantastic piece for The Ringer last year about the process. He went through a different process and wound up with a different style this time around. Last year, at least, it was just like, all right, this is like a normal haircut. A guy gets braids. Like, that happens. Yeah, locks. This this was totally easy emo like my chemical romance like right off the the, the album cover yeah. uh he walks in piercings all over his face lips nose uh eyebrows i think they're all fake it's just my I, guess i might have seen eyeliner fake. too there was definitely eyeliner uh black uh fingernails so he had done the fingernails so he went fully like this is full 2004 era. Remember before that, there was a failed experiment from Garth Brooks where he kind of reinvented his personality. You know what I'm talking no, about? I don't know. Oh, don't, he went from the, the most country. I've ever talked about Garth so, Brooks. Okay, sorry. This was maybe a while ago, but yeah, he, he kind of redefined himself. I think he was trying to emulate that. I wonder if that's what it was. <laughs> he was trying to go for his emo phase. Um, Jimmy Butler saying he that he's, I'm emo, basically, yeah. that he said that his uh, appearance reflects his emotional state. Um, I'm not sure what that means, but I mean, if we really want to sort of psychoanalyze here, which he's sort of inviting us to do, uh, I do think <laughs> I don't know. Is this like is he sad that they didn't trade for Damian Lillard? Like, would he have done this had they trade for Damian Lillard? Like, see, see, this is this is this is this is the Garth Brooks emo fixture here. I mean, you can't see this for the benefit of those of you on uh, YouTube, but yeah, there was a phase there. Anyway, as far as Jimmy's state of mind, I, you know what? I asked him. If he felt like so many Heat fans do, that maybe uh, Miami was wasting his prime because they hadn't been able to acquire a superstar, he said, no, we straight. 
that was basically that was his first answer that was basically how he felt about it i don't think he is i think he's just doing something differently he's yep. he's to be bother and he tries things differently he, he lives life differently he lives life happily and fully and uh he still celebrates himself and his family and i think as far as the basketball side of things is concerned I think he's satisfied. I think he, like Spolstra, like Pat Riley, like everybody pretty much in this organization, embraces the challenge of trying to find a way to win when everybody discounts them or has them as, uh, you know, underrated perhaps. Because I, obviously between the moves, and we haven't talked since then, Boston Celtics acquiring Drew Holiday, Milwaukee acquiring Dame Lillard, uh, you know, Miami clearly not as talented on paper but as both said games aren't played on paper so uh it's it's interesting it's interesting uh it wouldn't be a jimmy butler press conference if he didn't have a guarantee of the championship he said quote this is our year this is the one see you in june end quote um so we got a lot of he played the hits right if he, he played the hits but um he you bring up something interesting about the drew holiday deal we have not spoken since uh that deal went down i i think that it would be fair to say that if you were power ranking the eastern conference you would have milwaukee and boston probably on a tier on their own. Yes. And then you would have Miami and some other group below those two teams. And this Jimmy Butler being like, we're straight. And Eric Spolster, we'll get to him a little bit later, but basically saying the same thing. Um, I find interesting. And I got to be honest, David, I don't buy it. I don't buy it. But I also think that when we look back on that press conference that Pat Riley gave in June, his annual end of season press conference, he kind of hinted at all this. Like he hedged for this scenario, I think that the Heat did want Damian Lillard. Um, I think they would love to make a move if they can. That improves the team. Obviously, they wouldn't want to do that. But I, he was talking about, hey, we're not going to take a wrecking ball to this thing, right? And it's going to. And he basically said, it's on Jimmy. I mean, remember that when Pat Riley's like, look, it's going to be on Jimmy. It's on Jimmy. It's on Bam, and it's on Tyler Hero, who he did mention as sort of a cornerstone piece. Again, I think this was hedging, but that's sort of what ended up happening here. This is what Pat Riley hedged. Or I remember talking with you about that, and like literally, said, I'm like, this is a this is the ultimate hedge in case something doesn't get done. Nothing really got done uh, in terms of a star trade, and here we are. And I think everybody's sort of doubling down on that message: is hey, we got enough, we got enough, we got enough. I, Fine. I think they do buy it. I think it's not just kind of speaking it into existence because I think, and and I've said this before, you know, the Heat have shown the ability to beat everybody in the Eastern Conference, so it's not exactly unprecedented. Is it difficult? Do they stack up on paper? No, they don't. They're not the same team as Boston and Milwaukee. But none of that matters because you never know how it'll play out over the course of an actual well, seven-game series. I, I think Boston and Milwaukee are better teams on paper right now, but we don't know what's going to happen. One of those teams is going to be eliminated should Miami advance in the playoffs. Miami has to get to that point in the first place, but I like their chances against anybody, other than the Denver Nuggets because we saw what just happened there. Like That's really, I think, Miami's biggest obstacle to a title is still in the West in Denver because they match up in a way with Miami that Miami can't defend, and that's mostly because of Nikola Jovic. Nikola Jokic. Jokic, Jokic. Maybe, sorry. Maybe sorry. also Jovic. Yeah, yes. Um, I'm sorry. I make that mistake sometimes. I, I just – I think the East is harder this year. It doesn't matter. At the top. What do you mean it doesn't matter? It's, it doesn't, it's like, it's, I don't think it matters. matters. No, I don't. I don't. I think last year, and I said this last year too, I think last year kind of showed, you know, the regular season is fine. You don't want to play. You don't want to lose so much that you can't find a way out of it. But give Miami, this Miami team as currently constructed, as bad as it might seem, give them an opportunity in the playoffs. They can win. I they do can want to push anybody. back on the idea that this team is bad. 
bad. I don't think it's bad. And the one thing I'll say is, having talked with players this time around, you remember like last media day, it just felt like they were tired. Mm-hmm. Remember, like I remember just talking like this. This team just looks and, and feels tired. This wasn't like the hey, we just got Kyle Lowry, we just got PJ Tucker kind of group that was energized and went on to go win that number one seed. I will say this: I think this team was energized by the playoff run. I think if this team had lost in the first round of Milwaukee, it would be a team coming back tired. And it could look actually, this could team. There might be a reason to believe that it looks entirely different and in a very different kind of way. Had they been maybe a first round and out after how that regular season played yeah. out. Yeah, but that, but, but that means, but that kind of forces the front office's hand too. Is that if, if this team hadn't gone to the finals, then you'd be much more desperate to make those kinds of changes. This is what Heat fans, and I'm speaking for them at large and generalizing here. But I think the problem is that you saw that you were this close and that you couldn't get over the hump. And as a result, you want to be able to make that acquisition of another player that can get you over the hump. I don't think Miami felt desperate as desperate as these fans do. They saw that they could get there. They think it's repeatable. Even if it doesn't seem realistic to believe that this franchise has over the last four years with Jimmy in charge has shown the ability to do the impossible, despite the disparity in talent. I'm a little. I, I kind of agree with you, but I have a little bit of a different take on it, which shouldn't surprise you. But um, also, I want to kind of get into some of the nitty gritty things that Spo talked about. I think we got some hints on as to what this team really could look like, because as much as it is the same as last year, it could also look very different. We're going to talk about that next year on Locked On Heat. Today's episode is brought to you by GameTime. You shouldn't have to worry when you're buying tickets for your next big event. GameTime is fast and easy. It's the easiest way to buy tickets for all the sports, music, comedy, theater events near you. Killer last-minute deals, all-in prices, views from your seat, and their best price guaranteed. GameTime takes the guesswork out of buying tickets so you can just concentrate on the fun that you're going to have rather than having to worry about whether or not there's tickets available, etc. You've talked about it before. It's such an easy app to use. You find the tickets you're looking for, and one of the best features they have is you can see exactly what it looks like from your seat. It's such a benefit. You know that you're not going to get your view blocked or whether or not you got to get a great view of whatever event it might be. So right now, take the guesswork out of buying tickets with GameTime. Download the GameTime app, create an account, use the code LOCKDOWNNBA for 20 bucks off your first purchase. Terms do apply, but again, create an account and redeem the code LOCKEDONNBA. That's L-O-C-K-E-D-O-N-B-A for $20 off. Download GameTime today. Last-minute tickets, lowest price guaranteed. Welcome back to Locked On Heat. However you might be listening, we appreciate it. Make sure you're subscribed on YouTube, Odyssey, your favorite podcast app, and thanks for making us your first listen every day. Again, as a reminder, all the interviews that we conducted here one-on-one with the players will be posted on YouTube and on the podcast app uh, within the next couple of days. We'll get as many of them out there as we can. A lot of interesting things to take away, but also a lot of interesting things to take away from Spo's comments to the media as a whole today. Um, Again, kind of doing the same thing with Jimmy Butler. Um... A little bit more blatantly acknowledging the, the, the trade discussions. And it's not even fair to call them rumors because they weren't rumors. This was real stuff happening in the front office. But going ahead and saying and, and addressing the disappointment that, David, you were talking about that seems to be pervasive around the fan base, saying, hey, I, I get it. Just, he got it. He gets it. Right. And But going so far as to say, look, I understand that you might be disappointed as a Heat fan by being based on this, but as a head coach, the only thing that I can ask for is I, I come into training camp knowing I have one of the teams that could legitimately compete for a championship. And uh, here's the quote. I was paraphrasing just now, but here's the quote. Quote, you just want to have one of those teams that you're walking in that you could be true and say, hey, 
we're one of those teams. We have everything we need to be one of those teams. End quote. Um, I think how this team looks. Look, first of all, I think this team is deeper than it is last than it was last year. I think they're going. People are going to look at uh, Max, Max and, and, Gabe. and Gabe leaving and say, "Well, they lost a lot, and you didn't really replace them. You signed one player, Josh Richardson, in the backcourt, but you didn't really you didn't sign multiple players, and you lost multiple players." I would argue that Jovic is healthy and back and better. Jaime Jaquez is the kind of rookie who could probably play and contribute something right away. Probably yep. a little bit more at the end of the year, but something right away. Uh, you add Thomas Bryant, Orlando Robinson, they're immediately deeper at center than they were last year, and we know that. That's that, We knew that coming in, that it was going to be a problem. Going the subtraction of Dwayne Dedman, you know. Yeah, and so you, you got that too. Kevin Love is back for the full season. That is enormous, right? You still have Caleb Martin. Haywood Highsmith is going uh, is projected to be a lot better. Duncan Robinson had some very, very kind things to say about Haywood Highsmith. That should get Heat fans exciting about potentially what Haywood looks like this season. But I think this team is deeper than it was last year. But what I don't know is who starts, what it looks like, what the system is. And Spo kind of talking a little bit about that, like saying, hey, maybe we put Tyler Hero point guard, but also maybe not. I think that the starting five, David, is very much up in the air. I don't think it'll be decided in training camp because you have the rest of the preseason, obviously, to, to, to measure things. But right. uh, I think this team is going to learn a lot about itself in training camp, despite the fact that it, it, it's, it's got the same DNA coming back. Yeah, I mean, suppose said this a long time, uh, even predating the addition of Jimmy Butler. I remember him talking about like Kelly Olynyk and players like that. Just the, the fact that they bring versatility, the ability to mix and match different players and to play with these lineups and to do th- different things that can create different impacts. We talked to some players today who believe that maybe there's a possibility of a too big lineup. I don't know. It ha- hasn't happened uh, over the last couple of seasons that we've expected this leap to take place. But Miami does have the depth. They do have the versatility. They have the roster with different enough players. They don't fit into traditional positions. But guess what? Those days are over. And you have versatility. You have players that can make impacts on both sides of the ball. And and I think one of the things that really stood out to me is that when you look at this roster uh, and why they haven't gone after other players and maybe why they're not going after, say, a James Harden, they're looking for Miami Heat-type players. They really believe that when they acquire these players with that kind of dog mentality, what we typically kind of ascribe as being a Heat culture-type guy, you can do great things beyond whatever your talent level or anything else like that. They really like these guys to come in and compete, work hard, and are willing to do whatever it takes to find a way to win. Um, one of my other takeaways, we talked with a lot of the, the Exhibit 10 guys, the training camp invites. Yep. Um, it felt like a lot of work went yep. into picking the guys that they wanted in training camp. And this included uh, RJ Hampton, who was like the latest, you know, they signed him to a two-way. I like him. Uh, this is a, sort of a, a, a replenishing of the farm system that's happening here. You could tell that there was a little bit more of an emphasis. Not that there wasn't an emphasis last year, but it really feels like these guys, when in talking with them, were like sort of earmarked. Like they like the, the Miami's work on trying to recruit them, basically, to take these training camp deals started early in the yep. process. So you could tell, like, yeah, to your point about the, the heat culture kind of guys, like they're looking for those guys. Um, I think that this team will look energized this year more so than they did last year because of that finals run. It was validating. It was something that you could yeah. build on. It's something you can get excited for. And I just think as competitive, as competitive people in the NBA, uh, losing in the finals in five games to, to the Denver Nuggets, you want to come back and just start playing again. Right. right. And you did get that sense here. Um, if you're looking for a reason to be optimistic about the Miami heat and you know, we're in the facility right now, I'm drinking a little bit of the Kool-Aid. You know what I mean? Like, Boston and Milwaukee are really good. They made some really major upgrades, obviously, but they're not especially deep. Boston goes what? 
six, deep, six, like maybe six, like maybe it yeah. kind of depends on what you think Al Horford could get you at this point of his career. Right. Yeah. Uh, Milwaukee goes, I mean, six or seven deep again. And then for them, yeah. it's like, is Jay Crowder still an NBA player? Like, it's kind of like their big question. They, they really need him. They go legitimately well, 10 or 11, maybe at the if, minimum. if they project to, you know, the levels that we think these no, players I'm saying without even the projections, I think like they're probably nine or 10 with guys that we know. And then if you kind of look at, look, okay, what's going to yo? What's Jovic going to get you? What's Haywood going to get you? All the, that? Maybe the counter argument well. is that these guys that are playing deeper into the rosters because you don't have that top end talent, look, so that you kind of have to find a way to to get but contributions in terms from of elsewhere. Regular season wins, I think that depth helps. Now in the playoffs, obviously, look, this team had a ceiling last year. It was a much higher ceiling than we thought it had going into the playoffs, except you. But <laughs> most people thought, but it ultimately had a ceiling like me. They were no match for the Denver Nuggets. That was not a that was not a close series. Like yeah. that was their ceiling. Um, I don't know that they did much to address that in this offseason, and that would be the concern. But um, I also don't know. I, I think this team is also sort of realizing and, and talking, like analyzing Jimmy's comments and Spo's comments in particular. There is a realization of this is our team. We've basically dangled Tyler Hero now for two summers in a row, and we haven't gotten anything that we think is a, a, a worthwhile return back for him. That's not out there. His market, the market has spoken on his value. That trade, they tried to get Bradley Beal, didn't work. They tried to get Damian Lillard, and for a lot of different reasons that we've discussed way too much already, did not work. They can't get the, the Kevin Durant thing didn't work. The Donovan Mitchell thing didn't work. They can't get this trade done. I think they're coming to that realization that it's just not happening. It's not going to happen. And you could say, well, maybe Joel Embiid is next. Maybe Luca is next. Maybe Giannis. Like whatever star player, cool. Speculate all you want. I don't think they have enough to get those trades done. And I think they're coming to that realization, not just that they haven't gotten it done in the past, but it's just probably not going to happen in the future because they don't have a lot of picks. They don't have a, a ton of like these young players, like these whole heat culture kind of guys. They don't exactly go other places and pop and become like key no. members of other organizations. You think about guys like Derek Jones. Johnson, Derek Jones Jr., like Kendrick Nunn, like James they, they Johnson, do something yeah. here and they play a role and they go somewhere else. And it's not quite the same to the point where Josh Richardson comes back and is on the minimum. You know what I mean? So I just – I think that realization is settling in, and the Heat are – they're not fronting because that's too, that's, that's too strong a word, but they have to be confident in who they are. And, like, like they have a reason. They just got to the NBA Finals, but also I think they have to accept it it's, who it is it's, they are. It's a very fine line because I think, you know, a lot of people hearing this probably think, oh, well, they just have to accept who they are. But I think they're comfortable being who they are also. It's not just a matter of, like, begrudgingly saying, oh, we're not as talented as Boston or we're not as talented as Milwaukee. I think they see the possibility of, of uh, 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 you know, of being better than either of those teams in a seven-game series if they match up with them. Uh, maybe the talent might not necessarily be there, but they can be the underdog and still find a way to win and and i think they like that attitude i think they embrace it i think as long as you can get contributions across the board from some of the guys we've mentioned they're not mm -hmm. in as bad a place as heat fans want them to be in and maybe you resent that maybe you say oh well you know they're trying to avoid the luxury tax and the second apron and everything else and maybe there were some cost-cutting moves of that i'm not doubting i think at the same time they made attempts to improve this roster those fell flat and they're still in a good place today, a better place they, than they were five years ago. Well, that's for sure. Look, they screwed it up with the Damian Lillard thing. They screwed it up. Whatever. We can blame whoever we want to blame, but they got screwed up. Uh, but what are they supposed to do? Come out immediately and be like, yeah, we really screwed that up. 
Like, we really wish we got that guy in the building right now. I wish we were taking pictures of him in a heat jersey right now. Of course not. They're not going to do that. They're going to say the things that they said. Um, but to your point, I also think that they you, they believe it. And I don't, it's like a chicken or egg thing. Do they believe it because they have to believe it? Or did they already sort of believe it and they just looked at Dame as maybe just like icing on the cake? I don't know. But they believe it because they have to believe it. And, and that's just where they are. And we'll see whether or not that even matters or not. Uh, but this team talks a lot about confidence. And, and again, I'll say this. I think they're going to be much more energized in this regular season. And I think this team in the regular season is going to be better than the team last regular season. Now, do they reach the NBA Finals again? Who knows? Uh, but I think in the regular season, it's going to be a better are we doing Are we doing win-loss predictions on today's episode, or we're nah, not going there yet? We'll save that. I already did that. Somebody, Their over-under is at 46 and a half, and I think that's a really challenging number. It is. For the Heat, but it's a, it's, a good, it's a good line that FanDuel put out. But a couple more like X's and O's notes on Eric Spolster's press conference, and then I wanted to get to what Tyler Hero had to say about being dangled in trade rumors. We're going to do that after the break. Thanks again for making Locked on Heat your first listen every day. Every day, just make sure you tuned in to YouTube and the podcast and your favorite podcast app, wherever it is that you subscribe to us for interviews with these players, exclusive interviews you're not going to get anywhere else. Uh, you're not going to want to miss them. A lot of really good stuff coming out of those. Uh, but let's talk a couple more notes on Spo before we move on to Tyler Hero. Well, he talked about Tyler Hero. Asked if he's going to play point guard, right? Because Kyle Lowry had his best stretch last season coming off the bench with a little bit of a minutes management. Gabe Vincent is gone. There's only one traditional point guard on this roster, and it happens to be Kyle Lowry. But the team is sort of like, all right, do we bring him off the bench to kind of maintain this new stage of his career, or are we forced to start him at point guard? Did not really get an answer to that, David. I don't know. Maybe we sort of did, because Spo was asked about Tyler Hero potentially starting at point guard, which is a thing that we've discussed. And he said, look, I'm not going to write him in at point guard, but he's going to have a lot more ball handling duties this year. And I took that very literally as in because coaches literally have to write in who the point guard is uh, before every game. And I was like, well, if you're not doing it, then who's you, who are you writing in at point guard? Because it's not going to be Jimmy or Bam. It's not me, Kevin Love. So who is it going to be? I don't know if he's the kid slot on Josh Richardson as a nominal point guard or what. Or maybe I'm just taking it too literally. But do you think that that opens the door for Lowry to actually be a starter? I still think that's a possibility. I think a lot of people believe those days are over, but I still think that he can start him – for a few minutes at the first quarter, start him at the end of the third, or to start being in the third quarter, have him play here and there. Uh, you can you can manage his minutes the same way that you might Kevin Love, or we saw Kevin Love play last season. So I, I think that's a potential. Uh, Tyler also spoke about the ball handling responsibilities and said, look, I'm going to handle the ball more, but I don't see myself as a point guard. I think something along those lines. Well, he said, uh, but in I, this I, roster, yeah. yeah. Yeah, with the roster, you don't really need a traditional point guard. Exactly. And I, and I think that's part of it is that, you know, Jimmy brings the ball up. Bam brings the ball up. Uh, we I think Bam, Bam said I, he's like basically the backup point guard on this team. And I want to be like, dude, maybe you should be starting point guard. You I might mean, be. Again, maybe not writing him in as point guard, but like the offense doesn't matter. Flows best when it flows through Bam Adebayo. And I would like to see it. That's the, the, the best answer to not having a traditional point guard. In that starting lineup, Gabe wasn't a point guard for this team. That's right. I mean, he barely, he, he very he didn't initiate. Yeah, he didn't settle. And we saw the benefit of Kyle in, in his last couple seasons has been to settle things down to get everybody into the place that they need to be in order to initiate offense that way, have it kind of go smoothly, find cutters, find a, a lob threat at the rim, etc. That's where the benefit comes in. Can Tyler do those things? Yeah. Can Josh do those things? Absolutely. Tyler's gotten much better as a pick and roll ball handler. We saw the frequency of him and Bam running pick and roll uh, ramp up towards the end of last regular season. Yes. I think we saw more of that in the playoffs. Had Tyler Numbers were great. Hurt. Yep. So I think we're going to see that kind of continuation uh, this regular season as well. Um, Nikola Jovic, Spolster talked about him. 
talked about him being a connector. Mm -hmm. I found that very interesting. That's that's a, a specific word that Spo uses. You know this too. Like Spo has very specific words for how he you know views people, uh, his players. Connector is a very positive word. It sounds it sounds sort of like cliche coach speak, and it is. But coming from Spo, that's meaningful. That, that that's that's a it's a compliment. In other words, no, yeah, right? no, I see it. I mean, I think it's uh it's the idea that he can be playmaker at a different position that you might expect it from but somebody that can kind of be the guy to get from your smaller guard to your ball handling wings you know and to to get them to your bigs he fits so many different roles there's so many different things he can do and i think you know he spoke so highly of jovic's participation in the fiba world cup this past summer uh we talked to nicola about it it's uh i think said that uh the fiba world cup and summer league basically were a condensed rookie year for him because he didn't have it because he was injured for most of his real rookie Nico year. agreed. And Nico Jovic agreed with us um, a little bit more. I, I guess we could we could tease some of the YouTube, uh, or some of the interviews that we have. I think the Jovic one is very enlightening with how he viewed that. And man, this guy is He's like, ready. Pumped for this season. He is ready. He, 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 he played pumped, like body wise. Yes, too. he like, played, and he feels like he's in game shape yeah. now. He's gonna. I, I would imagine, and I don't think this is a far leap here. He's going to be the name that we're going to hear about the the most in day one of training camp mm. because he's been playing at a high level competitively at an advantage to everybody else on this roster. I think the front court's going to be deeper too because we spoke with Thomas Bryant and Orlando Robinson. Both of those guys, I think, are going to be major improvements from where this team was last year. And Orlando Robinson has some high oh. goals for himself and oh. high views of himself yeah. uh, that are very interesting. Uh, so you're going to want to hear that too. Let's get back to Tyler Hero though. Um, he was asked point blank, "Hey, do you feel wanted by this organization?" And he said, "I don't not feel wanted." That's uh, a, echoing. I, I criticize Barry Jackson for feeding him the answer to that question. I know you can't. Masterclass in journalism, man. Like he 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 he, 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 he gave him what he wanted answer. to do. He gave He's, him the answer. He said, he said "But this reminds me of that I want you to say." Yeah, and Tyler Hero took the bait and said it. He's a, um, he reminded him of a quote from Tua yep. a couple of years ago when they were pursuing, I can't remember now, the quarterback's name. Deshaun Watson. Deshaun Watson. Yeah. And he said, you know, do you feel wanted by the Dolphins organization? I don't or do not you feel wanted. I don't feel And, and he so gave Barry him the answer. And Tyler Hero of that. And then Tyler Hero responded and then asked him the same question that Tua was asked back then. And uh, Tyler Hero said, I don't not feel wanted. And he kind of. I like it. It was a little smirk. And I like it. He's like, I know. Tyler Hero knew what he what Barry was doing. You know, he gave him the, what he wanted. But. Also, like that's I what I like it. about Tyler Hero. He's, but he's also like that, he's got that degaff attitude. He's I believe like, whatever. It. Like, look, I'm in trade rumors, and there's something kind of powerful about accepting the fact that you were constantly in trade rumors and you got nobody but yourself, and that's an extreme. You, but something that stood out to me too, Eric Spolster saying specifically about Hero. I talked to him about it, and I likened it to my own experiences as a head coach in 2008, 2010, and then the years after that first few years of the big three era and he and Spo said it where i basically people were calling for my job like 10 years later we're talking about him as an all-time great coach yeah. a hall of fame coach one of the top 15 coaches but he barely survived the 2010 he 2011 says, he season. says it's good for young players to go through this because it learns it first of all it teaches you the nature of the business of the nba etc but also it teaches you how to compartmentalize and and i think that that's sort of where tyler hero is at is like look i can't i literally can't control any of this stuff i'm just gonna work hard and you hear that you hear that coming from players all the time i can yep. only control what i can control and yeah it's always true but there's something powerful i think about just being dangled in these trade rumors from seemingly every summer and of course tyler hero making a joke about that on twitter and like uh, until next summer you know right. what I mean? like there's an acceptance by it and there's almost and it's at this point you're just like i got nothing to lose 
So I'm just going to be the best basketball player what, I can possibly be. Yeah, what can he do differently? He can't control the narratives about him or the fact that his reputation has been tarnished or that his value has been lowered. Like, there's nothing he could have done. He, he, I'm sure he would have liked to have been out there, and he said it. He spoke about it, that he would have loved to have been there for Miami's deep playoff run. The fact that he wasn't there and couldn't contribute pained him. said that they could have used him? Was it Spo or Jimmy or maybe Bam? Somebody, one of the players up there at the podium was like, or maybe it was uh, Spo. Was like, I think it was Spo. Yeah, I think it was. Regardless of what anybody says, we could have used him in the in the playoff runs and in the finals. So, um, like, obviously he's going to say that too. But I just not so I, obvious. We've I, seen I coaches botch these opportunities. I exposed polished enough, but I think he believes this stuff. Like, I, I know there's, I know that people are going to say, no, that's BS. What else is he going to say? I, I think he really puts these things out there out of a firm belief in them. I truly believe that the Heat are very much in on Tyler Hero. I don't think that they view, I think they have him the highest regard of anybody else in the NBA. And I think they really That's do clear. like him. But they also saw Kevin Durant and Damian Millard out there and they're like, we really like those guys. Yeah. You know, like it's not binary. It's not black and white. It's not, hey, we don't want this guy. Let's trade him for somebody else. If they didn't want him, right. they would have traded him for anything. Like they would have traded right. him like Atlanta traded John Collins for a fake second round pick to Utah, right? That's they're a not good doing that. That's a really good differentiation. It's not about not liking Tyler. It's about liking somebody else more. And, two and, top seventy-five of all-time yeah. players. It's fine. Yeah, there's no uh, problem. Like, with I think that. that I think the organization tells them they're like, look, man, it was Kevin Durant, it was Damian Lillard. Like the fact that we're going to the cornerstone of a of a package that could possibly get those guys says is a testament almost to what we think of you. That they is. don't think of you like this, but we do. Um, <laughs> so look, I, yeah. I think all that. But and the reason we bring up Tyler mainly here is that we, you and I, have been asked this a lot. How do you think Tyler is going to come back this year? How is he going to respond to trade rumors and all these things? I think he's going to be on a complete demolition. FU tour at least to start this thing and I'm very interested to see how that looks I expect arm sleeves and headbands and undone unkept hair I expect him to just go fully FU attitude and I for one am here to see it but you know that I drive a Taylor a Tyler Hero uh, bandwagon and a Taylor Swift bandwagon Taylor Swift, even though I was talking her Talking about Taylor Swift, I spent most of our conversation with Duncan Robinson and Hayward Highsmith we got them both together wrapped um, attention from both of them though they were all in on my Taylor Swift takes. I, I felt lost. I had no idea what to say here because I obviously I'm not a Swifty. Uh, but yeah, man, you're the only one at the table that wasn't. It's OK. It was it was better kind of standing off and watching this whole thing take place like a not so gritty car. car, car Travis crash. Kelsey needs Taylor Swift. It's all this stuff. It's great. It's it's I'm so excited for these interviews to come out. It's so much fun. We talked <laughs> a lot of basketball, a lot of Oreos, not basketball. We did uh, the Oreos, as we promised. Um, Josh Richardson uh, last week telling us about the Oreos that he does. He eats them with a fork, which is crazy. We brought this up to every single one of his teammates and uh, and actually had some of his teammates try the Oreo Josh Richardson system. So uh, a ton <laughs> of stuff that are going to be, like like I said, a lot of basketball, a lot of not basketball, but a lot of fun uh, here That's on media, media Day. And uh, yeah, it was a good media day overall. I think so. Yeah, it's not just drinking the Kool Aid. There's optimism. There's optimism to be had, and I think Heat fans should feel positive. Balls back, man. Like I'm so sick of talking about the trade rumors and stuff. Like let's just talk ball. And I think that there's some interesting stuff here that we're talking about with sort of the squishy starting lineup. Like what's it going to be? What's this team going to look like? It's all squishy, like the Oreos. Yeah. Like it's all squishy. But it, I think there's some interesting basketball stuff. Uh, to get to. Can't here. wait like, to get down to it. Yeah. And we're going to be there uh, in Boca at FAU for. Uh, training camp. We'll have our takeaways from each of those days in training camp. We're really going to get into some of these X's and O's because we know that that's that's the lab, right? That's where it's all done. So uh, we will have more for you from there this week. In the meantime, thanks for making Lockdown Heat your first listen every day. Every day is back throughout the week. Reports from training camp in Boca. 
uh, interviews with the players from Media Day. You're not going to want to miss this. And if you're not subscribed, subscribe. There's no reason for you not to subscribe, especially if you're watching this. So hit that button on YouTube. Follow us on your favorite podcast app. David, have a great rest of your day. Enjoy the start of the season, everybody.